Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Listeners, welcome to the Real Perspectives Podcast. This is your host, Vladimir Bosanitz. I'm the co-founder and publisher of The Registry. Today's podcast episode is with Chris Nelson and Sam Suckett. Both are partners in San Diego-based Inland Pacific, an industrial brokerage firm. Chris and Sam talk to us about the state of the industry across Southern California, and especially how the life science sector has been influencing the market in the second half of 2022. Their insight is a valuable perspective on one of the most active markets in the country and how the current environment is going to shape the industry as well as their firm in the near term. Welcome to the podcast, Chris and Sam. Chris, Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Where do we find you guys? Where are you today? We're... uh downtown in Little Italy, San Diego. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, San Diego today. Um, you know, uh, how, is, how is the you know, occupancy of offices these days? Are, are you seeing companies, you know, return to work? Are you seeing more kind of traffic on the roads? What's, what's happening in the city in general? Um, well, I mean, living downtown San Diego, it's funny. This is one of the highest vacancy office markets, um, around. It's definitely a little bit of a, a little bit of a ghost town in, in the heavy office portions of the area. Uh, little, at least still bustling, but there's a lot of multifamily over here. So definitely isn't like the industrial parts that stay pretty busy. Yes. Yeah. The yeah, one yeah. thing. The one thing about downtown is it's actually the reverse commute. It's kind of, uh, it's not like most other major cities where most, most of downtown San Diego is actually housing and not, not a office space. So, um, you know, kind of interesting the the flow of traffic traffic is, is opposite of what you would typically see in a major city. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, wow. So that's uh, kind of like a bedroom community almost. The downtown is a better community of the rest of the city. So, yeah. Um, excellent. Excellent. Well, um, as an introduction, I, I love to, you know, ask all of my guests to, you know, say a few words and kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how the, you know, the winding road of their career got them to where they are. So I would love to ask both of you to, you know, give us a little bit of a background of, uh, you know, how you guys have, you know, come up through the industry and, um, you know, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'll hop in. So Sam and I actually had a pretty similar path. We both came from uh, families who were really in construction before they were in real estate. And so I think we both got a, a taste of the industry through that lens and through families that kind of got us uh, into real estate. Both of us throughout college got ourselves into commercial brokerage jobs and um evolved from from there and figured out exactly what we're doing i 
had done some some tenant rep and some uh, multifamily brokerage before eventually landing on on industrial. And let Sam give a little bit more color on how he he ended up here. Yeah. So my my family, um, my grandpa started a construction a grading company um, back in the late '60s. So that's kind of how you know my my family got into the the whole real estate industry. He started buying properties. Um, along with his construction company back in the day over time kind of built a portfolio of some industrial properties in Southern California. Um, and you know, my dad has kind of followed through that tradition. He worked in construction now, now works in, uh, in the portfolio management of the properties. So, um, you know, one of my goals was to help expand their portfolio down to San Diego, um, which brought me down here, uh, and, you know, I met Chris, we, we were able to start our brokerage company together a couple of years ago after working together, uh, at a previous company, Extreme Realty Partners. Um, so, you know, since then it's been, it's been great. We've been focusing on industrial product in San Diego, um, brokerage mostly, but also a little bit of property management and some syndication, uh, stuff as well. Yeah, as of the last couple of years, Sam and I have transitioned um, into a lot of partnerships, syndication style investing. Um, and so that's really been where we've taken brokerage as a stepping stool to really get our feet wet in that that niche. Um, that's what's made us a little bit different. I mean, we've been very focused on the high net worth private client sector. Um, sure. All our family funds have been our best clients. Uh, and what we've liked about them is that in a lot of cases, we're able to co-invest in the deals um, and it lets us run our business just a little bit differently rather than uh, full on broker for trade. Um, you know, we were more like an operator. And I think that that's been really good for keeping up client retention. We have almost exclusively repeat business and it's been able to allow us to spend a lot of time positioning portfolios and and growing um, in in that manner rather than just you know broker for hire. So it's a little bit yeah. about how we got to where we are today. Yeah, and how big is the organization today? Where's your kind of geographic you know boundary of uh, of your of your work? So from a brokerage perspective, um, most of what we'll focus on primarily San Diego County. We've done a handful of transactions throughout the general Southern California market. Um, and, and that's more on the brokerage side. On the, the principal side, uh, where our focus is a little wider. Um, you know, we've bought out-of-state properties uh, and uh, look to, you know, expand. We'll, we'll more so follow the deal than we'll follow a particular market um, in that particular case. Sure. And to uh, speak on our organization, we're, I think we're at 15 people now, um, about 11 agents, uh, three of us are partners, um, and the rest are our associate level. Um, and then we have two property managers as well. Okay. All right. Congratulations. So, so let me kind of ask the obvious question, right? Um, during COVID, um, how did the company do? I mean, obviously the industrial sector exploded, so we'll get into that in a second, but just from like, you know, your personal perspective in terms of the company itself. And, you know, tell me a little bit about that narrative. I'm, I'm just as a business owner, I'm also curious, you know, how 
companies got through it and sort of, you know, na navigated the sort of turbulent waters that we saw there in 2020 and beyond? Sure. Um, that's a great question for us. It was kind of a unique situation. We had, uh, we had left our previous company January, 2020. Um, oh, okay. so per perfect timing. Here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, we only had a few months before the whole world shut down and, uh, you know, honestly, it was very helpful for us starting our new business to to have COVID. One, not only because the industrial sector uh, heated up significantly during that period of time, but also because, you know, there's less distractions. We didn't need office space. We were able to really focus on growing our business. And there was only about four of us at the time. So, um, you know, we, we were able to really narrow our focus on what was important building our brokerage business and yeah uh, you know it, it's unique but it did help us out in a lot of ways interesting interesting now at the same time the industrial sector just exploded right so that was mm -hmm. the uh you know flip side of that coin so you know tell us kind of you know a, you know any projections that you had starting off in early 2020 you know were they were just blown away by you know 2021 2022 tell us a little bit about you know San Diego market in general so i can speak a little bit to i guess what our projection had been we we saw that there were good demand drivers prior to covid um i don't think anyone could have predicted the catalytic event that covid caused ultimately but um I mean, what, what we saw was an overall low supply of, of quality inventory um, and a lot of growing companies, companies that made sense to us with, the, with what you saw with the biotech boom um, and a lot of conversion. Uh, we saw in at least central San Diego, a shrinking supply of more traditional industrial spaces. Um, you look, you know, further south towards National City, that area, saw a lot of buildings getting converted um, from industrial into multifamily redevelopment. And so, you know, your supply and demand drivers were, were good for that. And so I think at a high level, we saw these businesses seem like they're pretty healthy. Uh, the market seems like it doesn't have a whole lot of threat in new supply. This should be something that, you know, we can catch it a tail on and, and run with for a bit. Um, did you anticipate um, some of the demand? And um, I mean, it was probably hard to, you know, anticipate what would happen with the, um, with the whole, you know, lo you know, logistics nightmare and, you know, supply chain stuff. But um, has that also helped the market, you know, move forward faster? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that was a big driver. Um, one of the things that I saw that actually kind of led to, uh, a market, um, market growth, significant market growth was the government programs for these businesses that allowed them, you know, PPP loans. Um, and then a, a big one for industrial space was the SBA loan program at the time. Um, you know, interest rates were already low and they were giving six months of, of, uh, debt forgiveness for new SBA loans. Right. So I think, I think you know, <clears throat> companies' financial strength aside, these these businesses were able to bite off more than they were typically able to in the past, um, and they were able to pay a little bit more for the buildings than they probably should have at times. 
Um, and I think that in combination with the uh, lack of availability of space for logistics companies and all the supply chain problems we were having at the time led to significant inflation in the market. It was like a culmination of events that, that led to a, a just significant growth over the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Another item to look at with the SBA loans that is the companies that took advantage of that Well, at the time it was record sale price after record sale price. Those companies that locked in buying their building with long-term low-cost debt, I mean, those are the companies we think that are, are going to be positioned better to survive through potential tumultuous times with interest rates. The companies that we're seeing that I guess have a bigger uh, question ahead of them is the guys who signed you know, five-year leases five years ago and are now getting hit with you know, 30, 40, 50, 60% rent increases. Um, it, you know, it puts you in a place where if you're a provider of services or goods, the, the cost has to go up. You know, your rental liability is increasing so much so you don't really have a choice. Um, it was a good protection for some of those those companies that could do it. And in that time, it took a ton of supply off the market. I mean, there was a period yeah. of time things really heated up that if you, I had a list 20 companies deep that were pre-qualified for an SBA loan that it was like, okay, well, you know, when another thing hits the market, you and 10 other people can go bid on it. And there you go. Right, right. And it, are, are there any, um, you know, specific characteristics of the San Diego industrial market that, you know, you know, make it somewhat unique? Um, how, how would you how would you characterize it? And I'm, you know, asking just compare it to like the Inland Empire market, which is, you know, specific, you know, Northern California and so forth, right? Uh, how does the San Diego market com- compare to that? I mean, n- not just in size, but just in, t- in, you know, the types of tenants that you would typically see there. Yeah, so you look at us in comparison to Orange County, LA, Inland Empire, and and we're a much smaller market, right? So sure. We're, we're two or excuse me, two hundred million square feet. Um, so our, you know our product is insane to begin with. Just the land area that you can build in infill San Diego is pretty much all but gone. Um, you know, we're, we're landlocked by the border and some mountains and, and that's pretty much it. Um, and the ocean. Um, so you go and you look at that, uh, you look at the education system that's here. You have a lot of really good universities, um, for companies to hire out of. Um, obviously, you know, you do in those other areas as well, but biotech specifically, um, this is a huge hub for that. Uh, and has allowed a lot of growth in that sector. That was another sector that COVID really sped things up and and pushed growth of companies. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that later, but that's a sector that we've seen start to kind of tumble a little bit because speculative companies, loss-making companies that run on cheap debt and venture funding, well, that's a little dried up right now. Um, but I mean, as a market... What we're seeing the transition to is, uh, you know, those companies that really benefit from having a higher educated workforce, you know, not your traditional lower finish manufacturing, but more of your higher tech R&D type manufacturing, that line of industrial, that's really blossomed here because of the 
accessibility to solid labor supply. Um, and so what we've seen, what over the past many years of San Diego, when it was more of just a military town before the biotech had taken off, in the lower finished markets, you take East County, for example, Escondido, you know, those more traditional manufacturing, low finished contractor yard type markets. And now some of these, some of these companies from Central County um, that have a good business are more on the higher end manufacturing side, but just don't want to pay the core biotech driven rents are coming out with those lower finished markets. And you're kind of seeing a, a spread that way. Interesting. Yeah. And um, how would you characterize the market? You know, here we are almost at the start of, you know, Q4 here in 2022. Um, if you were advising somebody and you want to give them an overview of kind of where, where things are today, you know, how, how would you describe that? Well, I think right now we're, we're at a shift. Um, most definitely, obviously, interest rates are headed upwards to combat inflation. And right now, things have, have significantly slowed down transaction volume-wise um, from an investment perspective. Uh, Interesting. Okay. There's just not, there's not a great uh, deal. There's not a great number of deals out there that, that you can just make pencil as in over the past two years, you know, you were able to lock in cheap debt at such, such a low interest rate that you were able to make almost anything pencil as long as you were able to bump the rents or, uh, you know, improve the property in some way. Right now, it's it's just the margins are are thinner, so investors are weary, um, and I think that it really remains to be seen how much sellers are going to be able to you know drop their pricing expectations here. Um, you know, hopefully some deals will pop up, but uh, right now the the divide between sellers' expectations and buyers' pricing needs are it's too high there's a little bit of a, a disconnect. Yeah. Now, is that is that more a function of sort of some of the macroeconomic trends that are happening throughout the country and, you know, what's going to happen with the inflation and interest rates and that kind of stuff? Uh, uh, how is how is leasing, you know, what what are, you know, what is the occupancy for industrial in San Diego? Have have you at least, you know, seen those things stable? Um, so that even though maybe, you know, some of the, you know, transaction volume has maybe slowed down due to macroeconomic, you know, shifts, um, fun, fun, fundamentally the market is still okay, right? So I think you, you can kind of look at this as almost like a tale of two markets, right? And so you, you go for your higher finished space, you know, your more infill markets, Renault Mesa, Carlsbad, those areas. And then you have your lower finished space down by the border, East County, Oceanside, Escondido. The lower finished space uh, has been real commodity product and has stayed red hot. In a lot of cases, I mean, even even last week, uh, you know, we had listings out where multiple offers went over ask. Um, that that is still there, especially logistics space, San Diego, especially small logistics space. San Diego just it wasn't built out for the demand that's occurred. Um, and so, you know, you still see a pretty hot market in that regard. I think you start to look at some of the, the higher finish space. Now, that stuff is a lot slower. I mean, you see those listings sit, um, 
sit a bit longer. And I think some of that has to do with, I mean, if you just look at tracking the stock market, look at what stocks are performing better than others right now, you know, it's the more speculative loss-making companies are struggling um, and, you know, service-based profitable companies are doing better. I mean, we're seeing in those markets where it's more service-driven type businesses, uh, those are strong. Um, but more of the R&D markets, you know, those are the guys who aren't really expanding. They're not looking to take on significant new projects. I think that there's a little bit of weariness. Um, and it sounds like a lot of those owners that owned in those markets long-term are, are understanding of that. But some of these guys who bought buildings um, with very, very high pro forma rents and the thought yeah. of continuing uh, growth in, in those biotech and R&D sectors, you know, maybe you'll get it, but also maybe you might not, and you might have to taper back expectations. Yeah. And, and where is, where is leasing? Um, you know, what, what's the sort of average availability, you know, across some of the sub markets throughout your region? I mean, occupancy is still, still high. I don't, there's, there hasn't been a change in occupancy. The thing I've seen a little bit, because I have a few listings that are are some of that higher finish, um, less, you know, less like industrial, more kind of flex R&D space. And those have had a lot more uh, time on the market than we initially thought when we, yeah. when we property. Um, it's kind of even tenants are that we're like new leases at the moment. I think that we're going to see a little drop off in occupancy here coming up um, based on what I'm seeing with the lease. It mostly, Chris said, for those higher finish like R&D companies that are potentially not profitable being funded. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Occupancy is still, still as high as it's ever been right now, but I could see a little bit of a drop coming potentially as some of these... Yeah businesses potentially fail. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And has the has the activity from the last couple of years brought on more supply? Is there like a number of uh, you know projects that will be, you know, upcoming in, you know, Q4, Q1 of next year and 2 and so forth? Um, how is the development activity? I mean, down by the border is where you're seeing most of the development occur. Um, that was the last market to not be fully built out. I mean, pre, pre-COVID, that was an area that when Sam and I were seeing land go for $13, $14 a foot, you know, we kind of thought to ourselves, wow, that makes a lot of sense. It uh, seems like that's going to have to get built out. And I think COVID pushed, like I mentioned, that the logistics product that San Diego didn't, wasn't fully built out to be ready for. Um, that's where all of it's going. If you look at some of the big projects down there, um, SR11 that's coming up, uh, I believe, end of 2023, start of 2024, it'll be uh, one of the largest commercial uh, land border crossings in the country, 20 lanes, and it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a big pl- plus for that market and the ability to bring goods in from Mexico, taking uh, advantage of some of the foreign trade zones, things like that, um, has really helped propel that market to build itself out 
uh, you know, quicker. Seems like everybody who owns down there is putting shovels in the dirt and getting their project started. The rest of the county, um, you know, there's just not a lot of land sites. You start to see in Central County, um, there there are places where less functional properties are getting getting torn down when developers can get scale. Uh, it, it it is getting uh, getting redeveloped, but in a lot of cases, it seems like there's not a huge ability to build spaces much below 25, 30,000 feet and have it pencil. And sure. so those rents in those buildings that exist, while they may not be the pinnacle of function, they're still high enough where it just doesn't pencil to sell it for land value and start ripping stuff down. You know, I've seen right. a lot of up in the LA port markets where, I mean, you see these guys who are buying malls, hotels, things like that with just large acreage sites where they can go do an industrial conversion, um, that type of product. We haven't seen so much of that here yet. Uh, right. right. But right. Some, I think that the the prices and values could get there, but we just aren't quite there yet. Yeah. And what is your relationship to, you know, Inland Empire? Do you guys see any kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, knockoff effect, if you will, you know, because they're busy, it sort of helps uh, the San Diego market, or is it isolated enough geographically where, where, where you're not necessarily seeing a whole lot of, um, you know, residual, if you will, you know, demand from, from there? That's a good question. Um, there's not a ton of direct relationship between San Diego and the Inland Empire. <laughs> what I would say is, as Chris was talking about down by the border, that submarket's called Otay Mesa. That's become kind of a small version of an inland empire in San Diego, where they're able to build out the bigger box, lower finish uh, buildings. But you're still you're talking, you know, a hundred to two hundred thousand square feet instead of you know five hundred thousand to two million square feet. Right. So the, right. the scale is just different. Um, but that, that's, that's the closest thing that we're creating to, to, uh, a logistics hub for San Diego. Yeah. yeah interesting. Very, because there's not a ton of direct relationship between, uh, in the, in the inland empire and San Diego. I, I think proximity to the port is something to look at with that too, is, um, in, in regard to the inland empire, you have relatively direct access to the port. I mean, to get down to Otay Mesa from, from that, that area is still a pretty far shake to go. And I don't know that it's necessarily less expensive enough to choose to go there over the Inland Empire at this point, but there may come a time, obviously I know that there's a lot of legislation coming, um, slowing the building within the Inland Empire and uh, that logistics space could have a topping out, then maybe we start to see more of that. But, um, you know, for right now, I, I think I would agree with Sam. Not not a ton of carryover. What we have seen a little bit is um, I've seen some companies from Orange County, uh, in South Orange County specifically, starting to look in North County, Oceanside, um, because that is a large discount a lot of the South County, Orange County markets 
Um, and I think you might start to see more of that as a market crossover. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. Now, um, Chris, I think you mentioned something about uh, you know life science conversions, and that was sort of a big driver, some of the demand. Um, but then you're also seeing a little bit of a slowdown in the in the life science market. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of those drivers and kind of what what you're identifying there? I mean, I'll let Sam jump in on that one. He's had a lot more of the the leasing experience within the life science space. I think he could probably take that question a little better. Sure. I mean, the big thing we saw is a ton of funding over the past, starting in like 2019 and 2020 through 21. Um, this year, they've significantly decreased the amount of funding to these biotech companies. Chris actually knows like, the actual amount. Do you remember what the amount was? Well, I know that last year it was it was up over ten billion, and this like year for a while one. it was just barely creeping over one billion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the amount of funding into into those the actual tenants that will be occupying the space is significantly decreased. Um, in addition to that, they're not all they're usually not profitable companies. Um, so. You know, we've seen a lot of warehouse space converted to lab that these lab companies are are not profitable and then they end up having having to leave and you're you're left with lab improvements and, and not a ton of demand at the moment for a lab. Um, so, you know, I hope that helps answer your question but uh, yeah and and just just as a quick follow-up is this is this something that you're seeing that's becoming kind of an issue for the industry is it is it is it prevalent or is it you know how how big is this uh you know concern for you i think that if you were speculative within the last 12 months and betting on a biotech boom that is a cause for concern on on a couple of projects we've seen um you're just buying at at land bases and per square foot to the building bases that are just way too high to justify, uh, you know, what we're seeing now with that market. Yeah. So as you, Chris, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that kind of has, has led us back to our personal investment philosophy is what, what we've been buying in our partnerships is we like the lower finish industrial. What, what has caused greater concern and we've stayed away from is like Sam said, when people are buying at these, at these high basis and get stuck in a property where, you know, you paid $400, $500 a foot for something, you can't ever go back to industrial and get a rent that makes sense. You're just stuck. So you're, you could be sitting with an empty building for a while. Um, And that's just not, I mean, our, our portfolio is, high occupancy, you know, if we have turnover, very quick, quick lease times, that's been what we focused on is that, like I'd mentioned earlier, the markets where you still get a bidding war for space, that's what we like. That's what's made us, uh, you know, successful on our investments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's take aside the uh, you know uncertainty around uh, you know interest rates and the uh, and the you know the big R word right um, you know that that may or may not happen in the next I don't know two three quarters um, how would you sort of you know what's your outlook on the market 
What's your perspective in terms of you know what 2023 is going to bring to the industrial sector across uh, the San Diego market? I mean, hopefully, <coughs> interest rates are poised to stay high for the the foreseeable. I mean, we saw 75 bips today, and uh, some verbiage that makes everyone think that things are probably going to have a couple more rate hikes before you know we settle. I think realistic sellers are going to need to reprice. If you know, if you have projects to exit um, and you're really looking to try to make a move, ideally, you know, we'll see some repricing. It's just hard to make deals in a negative interest rate environment. I mean, that's just you know, it's only going to last for so long where people are going to speculate. And I think um, I think groups will be less likely to take these big gambles on. Um, you know, shorter term lease, large rollovers and speculate on these giant bumps, um, a little bit more safety, what they're buying. Um, that's I guess, speculation. See where that ends, but, you know, hopefully get back more to a, a, a bit more normal market, you know, for, we're selling deals that make sense. We're buying deals that make sense. Yeah, and as I mentioned earlier, I think I think we'll see a little bit of softening of occupancy, which should create a little bit more opportunity. I don't know how long that's going to take? But I think I mean, it could take six months, could take a year. Um, that should lead to a little bit more uh, reasonable expectations of lease rates of selling of sellers pricing and uh hopefully bring the baseline back to a more palatable level for investors let me kind of go down to sort of your personal you know goals as well so um you know thank you for that description of sort of how you see the you know the market um unraveling over, over over the short short term but for for you guys personally you know inland pacific you know is going to look like what in a few years you know what what do you guys hope to achieve next year or next you know three years and um you know with everything you've been through over the last couple of years you know what what's what's your sense of the speed of that happening as well um so to touch on kind of where sam and i's uh, attention and investment uh, is really good. So we've started to do um, more indications, equity raises, um, and uh, we see good opportunity in the coming years markets for that. Uh, you know, obviously brokerage is kind of where we started, but where we've begun transition is to that line of, uh, of work. Um, I think that there's good opportunity for that and that we're trying to position ourselves once, once there is a little bit more settling out uh, to be able to really hit the ground running, um, I think that probably on the brokerage side of things will probably you know take a step away from that and more towards that once the market is uh, is ready for it. As Chris said, we we'd like to use this potential recession or you know this change of the investment environment that we're seeing as as a a way to kind of kickstart our syndication investment career um, in a way. So, I mean, we've done 
a couple successful projects, but now we're kind of sitting tight along with, with all the rest of the investment. Good, good shrewd investors are hopefully, you know, not taking too many risks. And we're waiting for some opportunities to come up that can, will help us transition into m- more of that syndication and less of the brokerage side. Um, so we don't necessarily have a ton, ton of plans to, to grow our brokerage business. Uh, we may grow through Southern California. Um, we like to have the brokerage business uh, because it's just market knowledge. We're able to see a lot of deals. Um you know, and service them in other ways other than investments. But from our perspective, what, what our whole goal was, was to start an investment company. And that's kind of where we're headed over the next couple of years. Great. Well, Sam, Chris, uh, thank you both for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. It was interesting learning about the San Diego industrial market. And, uh, you know, I wish you well in the next uh, few years and hope to hear from you soon. Awesome. Thank you very much for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Mm-hmm.